welcome back to episode 30 of Lawfully Chaotic. Um, as, with, as, as, with, as with me always are uh, Jason Baldrick of TTRPG Academy and Sharon Smith, the fabulous Barrybot. Um, thank you all for joining us or, or will be going to join us, uh, as it were. Um, Sharon, what are we talking about tonight? Hey, tonight we're going to be talking about things, all things Kickstarter-like. So we're talking about creators as well as uh, up-and-coming uh, tabletop games and the like uh, for this evening. So uh, Jason is going to be leading us off today with some really cool games that he wants to share with us. And awesome. Uh, yeah. Jeff, thank you for joining. I see you changed your name, but I still know it's you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for letting me know that it's 8 o'clock and we need to start the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, we, were, we were kind of yeah, lost in our Involved normal... in a... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, do we... Uh, let's start off. Do we have any announcements? Um, Jason, you got any announcements? Um, I do have one little thing that I think would be kind of fun if you ever want to play around with it, but do you hear our background audio tonight? I do. Is this That's, new? It's AI. Hmm? You mean like robots? Yeah, AI wrote this song. <laughs> what? For real? Yeah, yeah, for real. AI wrote this song. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this kind of pursuant to our discussion last time about the, uh, what was the, the, vid, the, uh, uh Mid Journey. Mid Journey. Yeah. yeah Mid Journey for art. Um, they now basically have platform AIs, and I want to make it a future show because I think. Hello, Fatal. Really... Thank you for joining us. Hey, Leroy Jenkins. Um... Hey. Hey, um... <laughs> um, uh, I think a good future show is to talk about these new AI platforms and what hey, they Vince. mean for. Creators that don't really have a budget to have starting points for creation. They basically have AI for video. They have AI mm -hmm. for music. They have AI for pictures. They have it, It's crazy what they're doing out there with AI. Um, um, and I had a little fun with it. And I, I made this little theme, background theme for us to use. Awesome. Um, I, I, I think I named it. I think I call it Explore the World. That's ah, crazy. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's funny because I was using it the other night in my paid <laughs> game and I thought it sounded different. And I'm like, yeah. oh, StreamYard added some new audio. But no, it was oh. it was Jason the Audio Fairy. Um, yeah. We may have to have a show uh, about that topic of mm -hmm. uh, AI created content because I know it's a surprise to you, but I have feelings about that. <laughs> You have that's feelings how, about that's everything. That's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> robot I'm just glad you still have feelings. <laughs> right? I haven't. I haven't completely given up on on the world yet. Mostly, but not completely. Uh, Sharon, do you have any uh, announcements for us? Oh, no, not really. Just uh, check me out on Saturdays at, over at the D&D Club for the Graying Land show. Uh, that's on from 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time where I play Mira. Um, hey, uh, who who DMs that? Uh, I, this guy right here. I mean, he, God, he just I shows gotta up. I got to learn to do that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> I need a series of mirrors set up so I know, uh, you know. Um, I did say, like, try to pick my nose and I get the wrong nostrils. Really irritating. <laughs> please don't. Um, <laughs> please don't. When I uh, my only... nostril and irritation. <laughs> um, let's see. What do I have? Uh, we have some, um, we have some, uh, interesting guests lined up for the next, uh, few weeks. We're going to get them on and we are going to, start to uh, schedule out hopefully like a month uh, so that you guys know what we're actually going to talk about and who is on the schedule. But we have one or two uh, really awesome guests that we are just working out details and schedules and hopefully they will be on in the next week or two. I think you will enjoy them. Uh, so we'll reveal that in time. So with that, um, Jason, what do you got from so, uh, the Kickstarter world? One of my recent uh, topics that we talked about because <laughs> I haven't really, I haven't really tackled it yet, um, and I and I no. want to learn how to do it. 
Um, I was experimenting with the idea of starting up a little small local convention, like a little mini Gen Con oh, for very cool. the area that I'm in. But I wanted to do it as a Kickstarter. So it got me inspired to start looking at Kickstarter again. I think the last time I got into Kickstarter was when Zombicide came out. Yep. It was like one of the you know top board game related uh, releases. And it turned into an amazing um, series with I have, minis, a lot of fun. It's a fun game if you haven't played it. You yeah, Simon. So that that is that is produced by Simon Games, C M O N. I have three. I have back three of them: the regular Zombie Side, the the Medieval Black Plague, and the Invasion, which is basically aliens. And they are fucking fantastic games. And I have bought, I've probably backed half a dozen projects from them. Some of them just for the minis because their mini sculpt oh, yeah. is just—they're just unbelievable. And yeah, and I've I've actually bought a lot of Kickstarter games that I've never played because it is just a treasure trove uh, of minis. But um, that's interesting about an event because normally you don't think of Kickstarter for uh, an event. Well, and people Mark, usually that, think about it as what am I buying? What product am I buying? Yeah, I, I originally pre-COVID, and I and I, I get a feeling that a lot of times when we reference things, mm-hmm. we're going to be referencing it based on pre-COVID, you know, thoughts and mentalities and how we shared our space. Uh, PC, PC, days. and AC. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> there was a Kickstarter uh, called Battle of the Ring. Um, and it was this infamous LARPer group um, that every year they would promote their event called Battle of the Ring. And it was a Kickstarter event. Oh, wow. um, and it was it, it reminded me of just how successful like GoFundMes can be if they're done, mm-hmm. you know, with good mm-hmm. intention and they're done properly. Um, and I just been toying with the idea and I keep going back to Kickstarter. Um, you know, I did the Critical Role Kickstarter because I wanted to be a part of the history of them setting the new record and beating out mystery science theater 3000 um and by a fun. factor of of 3.2 yeah it was a pretty amazing event watching that happen um and i think i only did the ten dollar one so i could get the really fun audio files and stuff like mm-hmm. that um but then you know every now and then i would go back and i would go back and it just kind of reminded me that a lot of times i'd watch what other people were doing with kickstarter and it would really kind of emboldened me to be a little creative and think about the different types of cultural interaction that were going on with Kickstarter. You could almost kind of get a feel for the, you know, the, the different generational interpretations of gaming kind of presented and how Kickstarter comes about. So the one thing that surprised me though, is that about 90% of them related to TTRPG um, backgrounds are all fully funded and have moved on. Or they completely failed and never tried again. Uh, the overall number of options was pretty limited. Of because I wanted to look at like live ones um, that were either fully funded and still live, or still trying to be fully funded, so I could get a look, you know, get a feel for tiers and and all. Now that you're specifically kind of talking about events. No, no. For, in this case, I'm talking about you know. Um, so there were three I picked out. One was modular terrain. Um, another one was um, Cute Monster Pack for Dungeons and Dragons, and another one was Sata- Satanic Panic, which is a is a role playing game as well. So mm. I was inspired as I was looking for ideas to create an event for a, a local convention, and then I found myself just going down the rabbit hole, going, "Okay, what's what, you know what's be, what are people making for tabletop adventures? Like, what are these?" Now, the one thing I noticed the list of like role-playing games and and traditional you know tabletop role-playing games is still very long it's still very long um but a lot of the compendium stuff is what i like to get inspired by or how people are currently trying to come up with affordable terrain because we've talked about that in the past the the challenges you have (laughs) you know funny you mention that because i just placed another 500 dollar for dwarven forge crap what did you get (laughs) so well they're raising their prices tomorrow so i'm like well i better start my caverns collection because so far i just have dungeons so i loaded up on uh as much 
generic caverns terrain as I can. So man, that's got, that's got to be that oil money out there, man. <laughs> the, the Chicago <laughs> oil money? No, oh, it's absolutely. hot dog money. It's hot. Oh, dog hot money. dog money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I think so far I'm in to Dwarven Forge for. I hope my wife doesn't watch this <laughs> this rebroadcast. I'm probably in for about fifteen hundred bucks on Dwarven Forge. So that's not but bad. hey, for it's Dwarven all Forge, it's all a write off at all. <laughs> That uh, for Dwarven Forge, that's not bad at all. It really isn't. Oh um, no, it's not. I can I, only I've imagine what like Ink Mage has spent yeah. on that on that stuff. Stuff, um, yes. You know, I have a love hate <laughs> relationship with Dwarven Forge. Mostly, it's love, but man. But you know what? Every t- <laughs> dirty. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Chicago hot dog money there. We got hot yeah. dog water wells that are just sprouting up all over the freaking place. Yeah, and then um, what we do is we go and start those uh, mustard corporations. Exactly, exactly. No it's ketchup. all it's all this, you know, the mustard, mustard industry, the ketchup industry, and then the hot dogs and the bun industry. It's all this fucking <laughs> scheme, you know? It's this uh, conspiracy. That's why they make six hot dogs and eight buns, because you got to buy in, in, you know, you got to buy like 48 to break even. So. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, what and was I going to say? Um, I'm telling you, we need a tangent cam label for when, when it happens. <laughs> 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 tangent. tangent cam. <laughs> yeah, when um, I first went on Kickstarter, like one of the tabletop games I came across was called Starfinder. And it's, basic, it's basically like Spelljammer. But what mm. I thought was really cool is that they had their very own custom races and they have like star maps and you can visit planets. Uh, they actually met their uh, Kickstarter goal, and now they're actually starting to um, make minis for mm, their game. Nice. It's so cool. I'll you know, a link. Yeah, please do. It's interesting because, and, and I suspect, because I started, I mean, I, I love board games, and I love... Um, uh, Jason, you want to grab that link? Um, yeah, I got it. Uh, I love... You know, Starfinder is the same as Pathfinder, right? That's uh, Pios or whatever it's called. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's made are. by Ninja Division Publishing. I'm not sure if that's the same people because I maybe not. Played. I could be. I could be incorrect on that one. But so the- <laughs> boomer technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've witnessed an interesting trend um, with Kickstarters and tabletop board games. I love mm. board games. I have mm. taken over the living room with board games, um, mostly just because I, you know, being in the background that I that I have, I love the production quality. Okay, when mm. we were, and this is not the old guy. I, I'm just saying, when we were kids, a board game was, you know, some met, like Monopoly was kind of the the top with metal pieces you know now and pretty elaborate I mean, rules that pretty elaborate you rules to kind of like um create your own kind of narrative in regards to hey give me that property i'll give mm-hmm. you this property and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot but, it, it was one of the few board games where you actually had to talk to each other yeah exactly <laughs> but from a from, that's yeah you're right it's an interesting point but from a production standpoint and a cost standpoint I mean, back then, you know, a game was what, 20, 25 bucks, maybe 30 bucks, maybe. Um, and what I noticed, you know, and I think this correlated with COVID, maybe, because obviously, mm-hmm. but I, I, I kind of feel like it started a little bit before that because people were starting to have more gatherings in their home rather mm-hmm. than going out to bars or whatnot. And spending eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars on a board game, yeah, all of the sudden, um, <laughs> well, I feel like, and I feel like, um, <clears throat> I feel like the game that kind of set that standard, mm-hmm. um, and even to a certain extent, set the standard for development of. I think uh, I know what you're going to say. Is Catan? You know, it's like if you look yeah. at the evolution of Catan. And I thought you were going to actually say uh, Cthulhu Wars by. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, well, I mean, there's some influence gosh, there, but right. I really think I haven't played either one of those. <laughs> I, you need to play Catan because I think Barry, you'd really enjoy it. It is yeah. a fun uh, game where if you just get people together, and Peterson, together, yeah, Peter, thank you, Vince, yeah. Peterson Games. Um, but the the reason why I wanted to point out um, Catan is that it, to me, when I look at the packaging for Catan, it reminded me of. Um, 
uh, Spy and Avalon Hill. And yes. You used to develop those bookshelf games. Yep. And yep, yep, yep. those books. Squad Leader games. and Luftwaffe. Yeah. But to your point on pricing, right? <laughs> so Avalon Hill back in the day and Spy, I felt like were that top tier pricing for that packaging, oh, yeah. the yeah. content, that experience. Um, and I feel like Catan set the standard for what people were trying to do because if you take Catan and Zombicide and put them together, it's mm -hmm. a lot of similar approaches to how games are being done now from a standpoint of a board game. You yeah, know, but there's a but there's still and, a fifty dollar yeah. discrepancy in yeah. price there. Oh, absolutely. And call yeah. and Cthulhu Wars. Uh, I mean, that's a three that's a three hundred dollar board game. Yeah, okay, but again, you get. And this, this also correlates with obviously 3D printing and production techniques and production costs coming down. But now what people realized is at first there was sticker shock, like, oh my God, $90 for a board game? What the mm. fuck is going on? Yeah. But when you open that box and see what you get and, and the advent also even of just meeples, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, it's really interesting that, you know, all of the games that I have backed have funded in hours, hours, and they end up, you know, uh, uh, I think the average, like zombie side, for example, I think they call for 200 grand to fund that. Yeah. That by the end of that campaign, it's at about two and a half million dollars. Yeah. But and, I mean, and that really kick, gets us for no pun intended, um, you know, uh, kicks off the idea that you can put together this really kind of slick campaign mm -hmm. with very little investment yet. Yeah. And as yeah. the crowd, as the people that are enjoying the campaign and get excited about what you're trying to make, helps give you the investment you need to start building out that creative item or game or whatever that sense of creativity is that you're trying to build out. Which and you goes back to our conversation in some of our previous episodes mm -hmm. about the creator space you know yeah. are you know where are all the tools for the creator space and i feel like kickstarter is a pretty solid one i think pretty, it is and easy. and you really you very <laughs> boring, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sharon just tell us to shut the fuck up if you want to interject i'm just listening uh, actually chat if you have any board games you'd like to shout out or any games that you saw on kickstarter we'd love to take a look at them there's so Absolutely. many out yeah. there like yeah, like I just remembered. Like I don't know if you guys seen the Dark Souls board game. That was also a case. I saw that one. Yeah, that one looked really like I fell in love with the artwork of that yeah. one. I thought the artwork so, was really cool. You you both hit on a really interesting point. Obviously, it's about the product. Okay, mm. I have backed a couple games that I have got and was underwhelmed. Okay. Mm. Um, here's another, here's another example, not of underwhelmed because I'm not calling them out for that, but crack and dice. You guys are obviously f uh, familiar with crack and dice. I backed mm -hmm. one of their dice campaigns and I got, oh, ticket to ride is a, is a classic. That game is fantastic. Ooh. What's um, you, have you played ticket to ride? No. Oh, Sharon, we, we got to get you up on, you, your board, on your board game lore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, just, I backed a I'll crack and library. <laughs> I backed a crack and dice uh, um, Kickstarter, and I ended up with about sixty dice from that because it was extended sets and all of this and all that. Whoa. And they did an unbelievable job on the campaign itself. Now mm -hmm. the dice are basically akin to Chessex quality dice, okay, mm -hmm. and very they are unique designs, but they mm -hmm. are mass produced and easily replicated okay mm. i'm not i'm not i was not <laughs> disappointed with them i was not disappointed with them however they are not at the top tier of my set however mm. i was so drawn in to the to the kickstarter campaign that they erected around that that that's why i spent I don't know what the hell it was, but a lot of money on basic, really basic, but good looking dice. So it's interesting that Jason, to your point, especially for something like an event or whatnot, um, the creativity not only comes out in my opinion, in the product itself, but in how you present it 
in that campaign. And that is, I think, the beauty of Kickstarter. If you really put together a good promo, then you're gonna then you're gonna be successful. Um, which is which is interesting as it relates to an event because there is so much excitement and hype that you can generate around starting your own convention that i mean i i think the potential there is is huge right mm. and i think that's what's so cool about kickstarter it's, it's very community driven and like the fact mm -hmm. that like with these independent creators they're able to catch that essence and just like multiply it through the community and and their passion for their game just it goes to show how much people will support that you know just like when you guys mentioned about critical role like there's so much love and there's such a great community to support oh favorite oh. i was going to ask what what do you mean yeah we were going to do that jeff so i guess now we're now we have to <laughs> <laughs> so okay so let me ask you this jeff chat um when we were discussing the topic for the show i asked the question favorite kickstarter end product or favorite kickstarter campaign because they don't always go hand in hand yeah that's true so my favorite Kickstarter pro well, my favorite Kickstarter campaign was probably Roxley, uh, not Roxley, Dice Throne. Yeah, Roxley Games, Dice Throne. Um, because they just did, the artwork is unbelievable. Uh, and I, sh I should have it pu pulled up here, but but I don't. Um, that's That was my favorite campaign. That is also one of my favorite products but i have a tie my sec my other favorite is uh cthulhu death may die from simon <laughs> because i love the cthulhu mythos and um yeah the cthulhu mythos, they, mythos is a lot of fun and they did play that, an play that unbelievable play job yeah they did an <clears throat> unbelievable job in capturing that that victorian early 19 uh 1900s um uh noir uh feel and, and the and the aspect of the game um well okay but it yeah the campaign is marketing but that is i mean that's kind of that's the, the whole point of of kickstarter that's that was my point you could have a fantastic product and a shitty campaign and you're not going to fund it you could also have yeah. a shitty product and a fantastic campaign and fund it yeah. So I guess I guess the question to to you to chat and to you guys is <laughs> where does to make you know to bring this to a deep deeper level where is where does the creativity live where does the true creativity live It's that passion for the game it's the passion for their passion project really because if people find that it's like a lukewarm like feeling towards the game or they're not putting that much effort into the campaign or just the game itself people are not going to be drawn to it so it's more about just like really wanting to share this project with other people and really mm. wanting to see it flourish and come to its full potential for uh on kickstarter mm -hmm. well i think um I mean, let's let's face it mystery science theater and critical role i think both set the standard of x of like just really, really solid digital marketing when it yeah. came to the buy-in, like getting getting emotionally attached to something that doesn't exist yet is interesting, right? It's a real interesting approach to having a passion for the potential of something. And I think Va that's vaporware like vaporware runs the world these days, don't you know that? Well, I mean, to a certain degree, it's just a, a, another evolutionary step in consumerism. Yeah, you know, you know, back in the day, it was slick, glossy ads and sales on Sundays. You know, and then it became, you know, the the creation of you know marketing catalogs, and then eventually the internet, and then you know, it's just this constant evolution. Mm -hmm. The yeah. one thing I think Kickstarter does really well, from from both your point and Barrybot's point, is that 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 um that like feeling personally connected to the outcome of the campaign yeah has a lot more value for me i don't know why right. it's hard to explain because i'm not a psychologist and i'm sure there's some kind of subtext or psychology involved um but i i 
I genuinely felt good that I spent the $10 on the Critical Role campaign because I felt like I was a part of something. I felt like my journey with them over eight years as a fan, mm -hmm. right, has created this emotional attachment to everything they do. Now, that be, well, yeah, Lucky Strike ads. <laughs> Probably the best ads in history overall. You know, um, I will temper that reality with I'm not a big fan of their store. But I'm a big fan of whenever they did Kickstarter stuff. Yeah. You know, so my emotional attachment to them is more in the sense of the emotion that brings me to follow something they're building or get involved in a campaign that they're, you know, writing. Yeah. Belonging. I think that's, well, a, that's I a think great way of describing the emotion. There is definitely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Belonging. There is definitely a I think there's definitely a psychological aspect because as soon as you tag something as first edition or limited edition or mm -hmm. you know ground floor yes, or so startup right <laughs> there is this impetus to you know oh well you know I, I i gotta be a part of this you know what if what if it takes off and, and i have the first edition limited edition pre-release you know yada 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 yeah so there is definitely that need to um, I mean, you know, let's face it, this entire thing that we do is a hobby, okay? And a big part of hobbying <laughs> is collecting. And a big yeah. part of collecting is speculation, okay? So, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this every Wednesday when I go to the comic book store. I'm like, oh, that's maybe worth something, and I'm never going to fucking read it, and I'm going to buy all three cover variants. And then I hate <laughs> myself for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he knows. Jeff knows. Shunjin knows because that is what he does for a living. So it's that scene from uh, from uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Sell me this pen. Yeah. And you know what's actually right? kind of funny? The, minus the cocaine. Um, <laughs> Why is it with you? Quaaludes. It was Quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> but, Cher, before you start your thought, do you have a collection? Do you have something that you like feel like is something that you collect regardless of how you use it or don't use it who are you talking to sharon barry i don't i mean i'm starting my dice collection mm -hmm. <laughs> um but that's fair because i'm not a dice goblin so i find that an yeah. interesting kind of like compare but finish your thought what were you saying oh no i was about to say that uh like have you guys i mean of course you have but do you guys remember like those i'm not sure if they still do it but like those infomercials that play on like tv on like just regular local television yeah and it's people calling in to like you know you know buy like a suitcase or something or uh, rallying yeah. for yeah yeah or rallying for an event to like donate or something like mm -hmm. yeah it was the precursor to qvc yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because like I was thinking about that compared to Kickstarter and like with the television uh, aspect of it, there wasn't really much of a connection. It was just more about before Technicolor. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Vince. That's a good point about the very first one. Like when you have a collection, it's like, oh, this was my first D20. Yeah. But go ahead, Sharon. Yeah. No, I was just thinking like, you know, when you guys were talking about the relationship aspect for like people and creators on Kickstarter, it's funny to just kind of see that, like kind of split down the middle of like, you know, on online, there's a more connectivity with like the creator and the audience or the community. And like, when you yeah. make calls for sales and stuff like that, there's a disconnect, but there's still some sort of like activity involved, but mm. I just don't think there was a lot of drive for attention for that specific thing because there wasn't a personal connection to it. Yeah, uh, you know, an, another another aspect of of successful campaigns based on on now that we've gone down this collection route, and I find it very interesting mm -hmm. how this conversation has progressed. But is the you know Kickstarter exclusives? That's another thing. It's like, well, mm -hmm. fuck it. I guess if I'm spending 150, I might as well spend 200 and get all the shit that's never going to be available after this for that same mm -hmm. reason, you know. Um, what were those projects back in 2012 and 2015? Because that's that's in Kickstarter's infancy. I think that's about when it was really 
kind of get when going did it, was back then. When did it start? I don't even know. I, I think. I think. It's <sighs> a good question. If only there was a way we could find out. <laughs> there is. Call Google. <laughs> Let me call Kickstarter and ask them. You did Kickstarter. 2009. Yeah. Wow. I was going to guess 2010. Was Maybe they started after the housing bubble popped uh, to. <laughs> that was it. Could like be. Pre built, pre sold houses. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, here, if you get a chance, type up those games that you were you were um backing back in 2012 because i think that'd be interesting <sighs> hopium i have never i have never heard that gotcha jeff gotcha. is that is that you or are you quoting somebody because that's fucking brilliant hopium hopium that's awesome <laughs> i hope well, to make well i mean i probably don't fit the demographic of the collector anymore um, mm-hmm. I used to when I was younger. I, I, I viewed things in a very different spectrum, uh, but I don't really collect anything anymore. I keep things around and I use them. Um, and I use them with purpose and intent. If I don't, then I get rid of it. So I'm not really a collector anymore. Um, I kind mm-hmm. of feel like um, I kind of feel like if I'm going to spend money on something, um, that it should have value. And that value mm-hmm. can be emotional. But I think it needs to be tactile too. I think it has to have some utilitarian uh, value as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, now that you mention it, I did collect Pokemon cards when I was a kid. Oh, I, didn't I remember know. my friends collecting Pogs. You yeah. know? Oh my God. So I have, I still have all of my magic cards. I have comic books. I have fucking Legos. I have figurines. It's a, it's a wonder I'm actually married. <laughs> no, it's not a wonder at all. Otherwise, you'd be a lonely old man. So it's a good thing you're married. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Like when when Callista prompted me with the idea of building the studio, um, it also offered me an opportunity to think about board games and and to work with Larry on uh, curating his collection because his collection was pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, it's probably the he's probably got the largest intact Star Trek collection for you know TTRPG. Uh, mm-hmm. Back when FASFA released it way back in the day. Um, but to me, that inspires you to then pick up a book and read it and then think about ways that that can influence your thoughts or your ideas. So my demographic, <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I think my demographic has shifted out of the nostalgia demographic and more in the practical use demographic. And I think that had a lot to do with me becoming a minimalist because mm. you begin to use your stuff and not let your stuff use you is kind of one of their mantras. Um, so I began to look at things very differently because of that. See, I'm, you know? I'm a huge sucker for nostalgia and mm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a saver. Okay. I go through mm. these fits where I just like, I, I got to get rid of shit, but, but not anything that is, well, Back to Barry's dice goblinous n- nature. Um, what inspires you know? What inspires you? Like, what would inspire you to collect a set of dice? Because I don't um, have it yet. <laughs> I don't have well, that. That, that would be a Brian problem. That's definitely a Brian problem. But I think Sharon has One, better taste than that. I don't have it. Um, two. I guess if I really think it's pretty, I'll get it. <laughs> Yeah, I want to just collect all the prettiest dice, and there's so many. I got like a list, and I yeah. think I'll go bankrupt if I just yeah. go. This this is it. fucking true, but this is also very true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chad, guess so, me. But, but, I won't even use all of them, probably. Bourbon. Yes, but <laughs> bourbon collections seem to take care of themselves eventually, Gary. Oh, <laughs> You know what? I was just thinking, doesn't like Jay Jay Leno or something, doesn't he collect cars? Mm. Oh, Jay Leno has a, a an enormous car collection. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one yeah. of the top rated car collections in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Which it yeah. doesn't hurt when you have hundreds of millions of dollars to kind of yeah. you know curate what your passion so, is. One reason like- that I oh and motorcycles too. Yeah. 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 He does one reason that I, one reason I collect things. And they all have to do with kind of all the same shit 
is because mm. I like surrounding myself with all that stuff. That's what mm. keeps me creative as a creator. Well, that's like your nostalgia look- pill, right? Like you take your nostalgia pill and then the yeah. emotion helps you create. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I just, mm. I just like being surrounded with all that stuff because that's what fuels my creativity. Yeah. I mean, I do like being able to, I've got a GURPS third edition book over there, right? Mm-hmm. So I like to pick that up and read a chapter just to kind of, like I recently did a vodcast, you know, I did a uh, podcast on the very first volume of the three fo- volume set, you know, of mm-hmm. 1976 uh, release of D&D. And it was really interesting going back down that path and looking at the origins of the creation of the game from the, from that perspective you know, uh, basically 40 years ago, right? Over 40 years ago. Yeah. And it was interesting to see what logic they were doing and, you know, all of that stuff. What's really interesting about it is that it had a starting point. So it makes me, you know, I would go back and reread some of the biographical work and I watched a couple of the uh, uh, biographies on Arneson and Gygax and, uh, the journey of Blackmore or whatever, or Darkmore, or whatever it was called. I forget what it was called, where the longest game ever played, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, related directly to Arneson and Ga- Gygax and the introduction of uh, Greyhawk. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know what? It, it's, it's, you know, oops. It, <laughs> we definitely, we definitely need, this I told is, you, I gotta, is, I gotta use my stream deck, stream deck for more than just smiley face emojis. Yeah. See, we're um, learning today, people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, I, and I like I like to, you know, I mean, the the number one thing that inspired the original idea of D&D was playing table or was playing tabletop army um, games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gygax would play Gettysburg for entire weekends for entire weekends. That's what they played. And what inspired them was, OK, well, what do all these leaders do when they're not fighting a campaign? Well, they should be doing something else. And that's what got them going with Chainmail. Yep. And eventually Chainmail turned into D&D. And yeah. that is what I like to watch with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Like when I watched Zombicide come into existence, yeah. Yeah. it was fun to watch their first kernel of creation <clears throat> just create all these expansions that made it a, you know, my favorite character to this day in Zombicide is Skater Girl. I love Skater Girl. It reminds me of Boogie Nights. It's and I interesting. Love character. It's interesting because Simon does such. They're another one that does such a fantastic. In fact, they're probably the best at it, in my opinion. Of 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 generating stories behind. I mean, it's a fucking board game, yes. right? But they generate stories behind it. I actually backed. They came out with a graphic novel based on Cthulhu. And zombie side invasion, and I think it was the regular zombie side, and it was That's these beautiful cool. dark horse, dark horse comics, um, like you know, seventy-page graphic novels, and with each one, they had a little two-pack of additional heroes for each of those games, and I backed that too, and I actually read them, and I really, cool. fric- yeah, I really freaking enjoyed them off of a board game. See, but so, that shows how much passion they had behind their exactly, project. Like, exactly. they were just so in it that they just had so much content to share. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to share cool. my three that I focused on for a couple reasons. The okay. first one was because it was a little nostalgic for me, and I liked the kind of playful way that they brought it into existence. And just so um, just so everybody knows, we have decided that we're going to do one of us as a showcase for these three. So tonight is Jason's night. So we're going to focus on his three, and then uh, Sharon will do hers on another night, and I'll do mine. Mm-hmm. On, on and this is when we're like taking breaks and we're organizing our interviews. So we got people yeah. that we're bringing in to share the creative space with. But yeah. um, this one I'm going to put in chat. It's so <laughs> it's funny because on that note, this is somewhat of a filler episode, if you will. <laughs> uh, but to be really honest, I am in, in, in really intrigued on where this conversation has gone. Yeah, <laughs> I did so, not expect it to go here. I really <laughs> like the idea of this one. It's called Satanic Panic, um, okay. and mm. it's a role-playing game that's been created out of the old '80s, you know, Satanic Panic. 
kind of uh, library. So and it's it's you know. really timely because there was I don't know if you guys heard of it, but there was this show on Netflix recently. What? Stranger Things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and yeah, watching that was really interesting to see it verbal to the surface. But this one kind of touches on my uh, pop culture reference, an '80s pop culture reference. Reference. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I wanted to look at was I'm always looking for like very affordable. Wait, do you have a pop up you can show us for that uh, one? A, a, a pop up, or just uh, a, a, here? Just you know on what? The screen. I'll, you keep talking. I'll I'll look for it. Okay. Well, I've got the link active. If you want me to, oh, actually, we have a video we could share if we wanted to. That's pretty cool. It's absolutely hysterical. Oh, I got it. And they're local to me. They're out of Manhattan Beach. So I thought that oh, was nice. pretty cool. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, here, I, I got it right cool. here. Uh, this is... God, thank you. We got, We need a fucking production person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the uh, satanic the panic. Mind that brought you, you three raccoons in a trench coat, Punktopia, <laughs> and Cosmic Hooligans. <laughs> Satanic panic. I fucking love it already. Right? See, so, yeah. back to the 1980s, a decade of dungeons, dragons, degeneracy, and devil worship. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Raised and trained for the specific purpose of bringing about the Age of Darkness. By performing the oh my god, I love their goal $666. Right? <laughs> and doing all that while trying not to draw too much attention. Until, of course, it's too late. The Satanic <laughs> Panic is built on a rules light D666 system. Who does not? to build up your demonic power and then unleash it to destroy all those who stand in the way of your infernal mission. Also included is a system for randomly generating the conditions of the ritual with over 666 different ways to <laughs> oh my God. So it's a slightly different game every time. I and all this fucking love it. Format, which is the perfect size to hide away with all of your other illicit occult materials. <laughs> and you don't even have to give up your soul. Like, seriously, you do have to pay money for this. Kickstarter does not take souls as far as I know. So <laughs> and sign the pact. Check out the details below and hail Satan. I love it. I'm backing that. See, I don't. I haven't even looked at the campaign yet, but I'm backing it because right? that's that's awesome. Well, but once again, it shows off how a single person has the ability to put together a very slick marketing yeah. campaign. You know, yeah, and I love that. That's fact. fantastic. Um, the other one is called Modular Collapsible Tabletop Terrain. Um, and there's a couple reasons why <laughs> I wanted to take a look at this one. <laughs> we may need to revisit last week's. <laughs> what is it? Modular? So yeah, mo- uh, it's called Modular Collapsible Tabletop Wargaming Terrain. Oh, my. See that three collapse? times fast. Got it. All right. Let's. Uh... So, this is a really good example with friends of... to board game and throw dice can be surprisingly difficult, especially when it comes to terrain. Bulky sets are impossible to transport. Wherever you're going to play, they better have what you need on site. Storing even just a single set is a daunting task. These things are big. Playing on the same set of terrain over and over and over and, well, you get it. Unless you have multiple sets or lots of pieces, there are only so many different ways you can arrange them. That gets boring. Snot Goblin Gaming has an Snot Goblin. Oh my God. Or a digital product. It's sturdy, precision molded plastic that is pushed to fit. Think Legos, but in sprue gray. Modularity means that you can reconfigure your ruins in cool? a nearly infinite number of ways. Like that is not, that is very. They're cool. not using that kind of like kind of mm. like very mm. annoying like finger hurting assembly. Yeah, it's it, it literally makes sense. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Um, the last still one, takes it's still not on the fly. It's not an on the fly product. Right. Mm, yeah. Right. Like like Whiz Kids. That's the beauty of Dwarven Forge. But we won't go there. 
Yeah, but you know what? If you can't <laughs> trust still... in, if you can't trust in theater of the mind, too bad. Try no, no, no. <laughs> but I but that is I'm gonna check that one out too. That that looks really appealing. This one I fell in love with because it made me think of Barry Bot when I when I reviewed this one. Uh, it's called one Cute is. Monster Pack for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and I'm not hundred percent positive, it's an assumption, but I think mm. part of their artwork is AI. But this one was adorable. I couldn't help it. So this one, I question if they have licensing from Watsi because they use, they fully utilize um, all of the vernacular and whatnot. This may be through DMs Guild. It could be. Because you're allowed to use that, that red swash on the cover for 5e. So that one could very well be uh, but once again, I, I like the three different ways the campaigns all approach things uniquely. Mm -hmm. I liked how a newer generation with their understanding of <laughs> satanic panic, probably through Stranger Things. Somebody's excited really for cool, 1D&D. &D. I know, right? Um, <laughs> but like, I loved how a younger generation created the satanic panic role-playing game. Yeah. But clearly, that one was awesome. but clearly yeah. there, there is a historical <laughs> reference to them not like living it through it, other than maybe they <clears throat> visited the a similar um uh concept through uh Harry Potter when Harry Potter kind of went through yeah. its brief yeah. period of the the whole sa satanic <laughs> panic thing. Um well Harry also... Potter is is based in Satanism, but I'm not gonna elaborate on that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> where's the fuck then where's my fucking wand? Um, but then the, I liked how clearly 3D printers have reinvented yeah. the approach to creativity. So that modular yeah. terrain looked very 3D printed based. Um, it looked very kind of, it looked affordable. I don't like to call things cheap because unless I see it and play with yeah. it and know for sure. Um, like I personally feel Dwarven Forge is overpriced. Equal to it is. kind of. It is. Uh, elitism of Wormwood. Um, I don't like Wormwood because I feel like they invented something that didn't need to be invented. You can go to, you know, uh, you could go to uh, like a hardware store, pick up a nice butcher block table and have a gaming table. So it, it doesn't make any difference to me. I, um, I totally agree with your correlation of, of or your, your comparison of the two. I have a lot of Wormwood stuff also. Go fucking figure. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it is beautiful. It is not you can go to the hardware store and do is they are they are crafts and but to your point, eh. it's expensive as fuck. Yeah, um, it's for rich people. and I, yeah, and you you you're right in a way. It's like you know we were we established this. How many companies now are doing wooden dice trays and rolling a lot? You know, yeah, a lot yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But but what's the one that everybody thinks of first? Wormwood. Same thing yeah. with terrain. It's Dwarven Forge. I think of my so, buddy Ivar who made me a DM screen for free. That's the direction I go. But then I really love the cute monster pack. The cute monster pack is really creative artwork, right? It's obviously in the I, 5e yeah. licensing brand. So I think you're right. It's probably yeah. part of, you know, the guild. Um, yeah. But once again, I kind of get the vibe that a very young generation that's embraced their version of playing the game kind of, built this pack to make their supplement just really kind of cater to a, a certain kind of generation within the game. But yet mm -hmm. all three of these kind of represent different generational diversions. And I love that fact about it, you know, and then their creativity, they created videos, they create tears, they create, you know, all these really fun, engaging things to pull well, into it. Yeah. And the, and the, uh, so I think we are I'm older than all of you we're all in the age of emerging technology transfer how we play and mostly digital with some physical I agree with that yeah. however in terms of to, to bring it full circle back to Kickstarter what mm. Kickstarter has enabled okay and this correlates with the 3D printing uh, that's a that's a big part of it okay because that, have, that has mm. brought production costs down it has brought production to more um it's made it more accessible <clears throat> to small businesses 
Whereas in the past, if I wanted to make a board game, I have to produce that board game and spend all my money front loading on production. Okay. And now I've got a hundred board games on my shelf. Now I've got to promote the fuck out of it and hope I spend and hope I make enough uh, to, you know, and hope I sell to right, right. Kickstarter has completely flipped. And obviously, I mean, this is, this is obvious, but it's flipped that on its end. So basically I can do all I can. I can put all of my effort into selling this first and then I can go and produce it. Even better yet. um, I know this is going to sound like a broken record, but Kickstarter is very agile. And it's agile in the sense that when you build I, yeah, it, I knew you were going to bring right? fucking agile into this. You, IT it is very agile bag. because if it, <laughs> if it fails, you've spent no money. Yeah, yeah. If it fails, you've spent no money. You've got lots of information. Exactly. So you try to do something different, or yeah. you know, better, or take the failure and turn it into another chance at success. Yeah. So you for know, all the people the that, for all the people, for all the people that had these great ideas mm. and said there's no way I can make this work because I don't have the money to produce this. That now all of those people now have an outlet to, to run with their creativity and not have the production cost be a hurdle that in most yeah. cases kept a lot of things from making their way out. Never getting the off the shelf. Right. It just yeah. wasn't, I yeah. mean, all of the, all of the conversations on the biography work related to their first published release for D&D. They were trying to come up with the money to create the 2,500 boxes that they wanted mm-hmm. to sell. Mm-hmm. And now they oversold. So then they didn't have enough money to deal with the oversell. So you had this like disconnect between popularity and the retail scheme that Kickstarter really solves. You know, they really do a decent job <laughs> of solving that problem. <laughs> I misspoke. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. I'm just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have, I have fucking nightmares of agile and waterfall from my Sears days. Okay, I got PTSD. So just fuck them lay off. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said Sears. Now, oh god, this may be the last episode of uh, Lawful Like Chaos. <laughs> 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 gigantic lawsuits. <laughs> I can guarantee you 99.9% of the world probably has no idea what Sears is. And that in and of itself is very sad and very indicative of everything. Yeah. Exactly. What is a Sears? What is a Sears? You're still around. Most teams left size. I have yet to ever work with a right size team. Um, But yeah, I I think what Kickstarter does is it takes away the fear of the creative process. Mm -hmm. It takes away the unknown. It takes away the difficulty. And if you could just package your idea in such a way that you present it successfully, finally (laughs) you can get your idea off the shelf. (laughs) Fuck Eddie. You guys (laughs) talk about a fucking (laughs) douchebag. And that I'm not afraid to say. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Barry's like, oh, great. Here we go again. Who's, who's Eddie? Is it things? <laughs> Isn't Eddie a cartoon? <laughs> no. Um, Sarah's all, oh, great. Let me go get Brian's pill. <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> was the, Eddie was the reason that a 125-year-old American com- uh, uh, commerce institution now no longer exists and people don't know the fuck it is so the world's largest catalog yeah um anyway um what were you saying before that uh talking about how kickstarter takes away all the challenges oh the fear and the hurdles you know well it answers it answers the the simplest question in coming out with a new product will this Mm -hmm. sell will will people buy Well, i have a challenge for barry bot barry Mm -hmm. if you could figure out how to do it would you make your own dice I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd be if you were to go on YouTube and look up how people make dice, you'd be shocked at all the different variations of how people approach it. Um, like berry dice feels like it rolls right off the tongue. Like I, I think you dead. should make your own dice line. I think it'd be pretty cool. And you can have your first set could be called Mirametric Dice. 
<laughs> They're all oh. one side. Guess what we're doing next week, Sharon? <laughs> we're starting a business for you. <laughs> Boom. I think you guys already know what the first line is going to be full <clears throat> of. Just like a bunch of glitter. <laughs> and very like... You know, <laughs> I actually looked into it and it is, and, and this is not to downplay, wait, next week. This, this is not meant to downplay the dice that people are producing because there are just so many really really talented people making dice but i did mm -hmm. look into it the process itself from a basic standpoint is not difficult at all i did not want to i don't have the time to add yet another endeavor on top of my shit but sharon i think you should totally I, look have into you that. ever seen badonka chunks yeah Guy, chat, i've seen them all seen, seen them all <gasps> That but just getting getting molds and and mixing up some basic but resin dice. I, I think there's two calibers of dice creation, <laughs> right? I think you have everything that's kind of categorized as resin, plastic material mm -hmm. that you can mold and work with. When I watch people make dice out of like mammoth teeth and shark teeth, um, out of bone, out of you know, watching that caliber of dice making is definitely significantly different and it's, i get the craftsmanship of that it's different but i would actually say that it is of the same caliber because some of the resin dice that people are making are just fucking mind-blowing yeah take a real but, uh, you're not a dice guy which is fine but yeah if you take a look some of the techniques that people use in making dice are just they're unbelievable yeah but I mean, to own a set of mammoth <clears throat> dice, I mean, that. Oh, well, yeah. That's interesting to me. <clears throat> Only yeah. because or, they're made from mammoth teeth. Not necessarily because they're dice, but I, I think that's pretty cool. Or an amethyst D20. I saw that one. That was so pretty. Well, when me and Callista first started <laughs> dating and we went to WonderCon as our first major date, <clears throat> I had bought her some level up dice that are made from yep. uh, stone. Uh, which which ones? Stone. Uh, I don't. They were 125 bucks. I just don't remember what they were called. Yeah, I have a set um, of malachite. I have a set of labradorite. I have a prismatic glass. I, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, we've already done combat mechanics. <laughs> Jeff is bored. <laughs> I promise. Next week we'll talk about something more, more, uh, more. Uh, I don't want to say interesting because that means that just kills tonight. <laughs> More engaging. <clears throat> More engaging. Throw some <laughs> topics out. Chat, throw some topics out. Um, Sharon, we, we're going to talk this week about starting a company for you. Yeah. Dice company. Yeah, I think, I think if you're – I think Dice Goblin is a fun Facebook group that Calista is a part of. Yeah. Um, I think if you yeah. have a panache for just really enjoying dice, it's a very low invested kind of – little hobby you can put together yeah. yourself and experiment yeah. with what it's like to build your own unique sets of dice just to have of your own accord i think we even i think most even has a dice mold around here um really we were we were going to experiment with and just kind of create callista's dice you know? so, see um, you know what this should be an experiment we should start a dice company for you you should start a <laughs> dice company on kickstarter yeah okay this yeah. covers everything. Collectability, Kickstarter, See, all of this. It ties stuff. everything together at the end, guys. It does. <laughs> <laughs> right. So actually, you know what? Torch Seer does bring up a pretty good topic. We haven't really tackled that one yet. Ooh. How to be first. That's a pretty good one, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, we haven't tackled that one yet. All right. We will put that on the list. If yeah. we do not have a guest next week, then let's do that. Yeah, I agree. Done. I like that topic. There we go. Yeah. We'll talk about the first times you guys ever DM'd. This should be cool. interesting. It, Jeff, is that acceptable? <laughs> Can he remember that far back? <laughs> I've don't, been DMing ever since I was in the womb. Don't piss him off or he's going to kill me at 19th level next time we play. Oh, in that case, let me get, let me get this going. <laughs> um, 
Well, I think uh, on that note, it's nine o'clock exactly. This might be the first exactly hour show that has ended naturally. So let's just go with that <laughs> before we fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks everyone for letting us have Thank a break. Thank you, week. chat. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and on that note, okay, get your dice out. Oh, oh no. that's right. Release. I have my. Oh, Vince, I have a lot of t- tips on how to TP. Well, maybe not TPK. How to kill characters, but not maybe a whole party. But I, I got, got a three. An, I got an eight. Oh, I got an eight. All right, Rollies. Oops, I got a seven. I got an 18. There you go. I get to close this out. Yeah. <laughs> <motherfuckers>. <laughs> Boom. There, eat it. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, everybody, thanks for coming out and hanging out with us as we talked about Kickstarters. Um, I think you should all go and experiment with Kickstarters and see what drives your passion. See if your creative juices come out. See if maybe you want to, maybe you've got an idea on the shelf that you haven't really played with yet. Um, Get it out there. Experiment with it. Have some fun with it. You never know. It might turn into the next hobby. Uh, But with that in mind, Barry Bot, where can everyone find you? Hey guys, you can catch me over here on Instagram at Barry Bot, and you could also catch me on Saturdays at the D and D Clubs to a Twitch channel for the Grain Lance campaign, where I play as a druid, the best class in the whole D and D shebang. <laughs> <laughs> and we play from uh, four to seven p.m. Pacific time, so be sure to catch us. Um, should be a fun episode next next this saturday <laughs> and 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 bry where can we find you uh best place to find me it, see i still can't god damn it you gotta go this, <laughs> this way yeah you gotta go opposite i'm spatially uh i'm spatially um <laughs> deficient uh linktree rpgandco.com best place to find me is instagram rpgandco.com um, look us up on Lawfully Chaotic Studios, on Twitch, on YouTube, uh, RPG and Co. If you do have a business idea that you need some help developing, let me know, because that's actually what I really yeah. do. Yeah, it um, does it very well. Thank you. Thank you. And you can find me over at the TTRPG Academy. I'm in the Twitter space, uh, Instagram space. I'm usually sharing um, uh, photos, map creations. Um, currently, I am... I, we just we just wrapped up our two and a half year campaign for Tuesday nights. Wow! Um, everybody finished at level nineteen. That was a lot of fun. Wow! Um, I am officially opening up my tenth table. I've written <laughs> the new framework. I, I still wrote... I still don't know how the <laughs> fuck you do that, man. Uh, I, I think I, I see I smoke up, coming out of his ears. <laughs> I know. I wrote up a new campaign framework. I mean, kudos. Um, it's it's going the new campaign framework is going to be for this new tenth table, but I'm also going to be using it to replace some of my other tables that are concluding uh, their year long campaigns. Um, it's uh, called Divergence: The Second Spark, and it takes place right after the calamity and before the histories of the kingdoms begin. Um, so it's really going to be a very low fantasy, um, no divine magic, um, uh, wild pure wild magic as it's the raw nature of the world of Exandria before all the you know kingdoms come to power. Uh, because cool. that is an actual time of space that was, you know, that happened. And I think it'll be fun to play around with that little time. That's um, awesome. You know, so that should be a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, but yeah, you can catch me over at Twitter. You can catch me uh, all of my, uh, if you go and catch us over at Twitch or on Twitter, you can find uh, our link tree. Uh, come join our server. We're almost up to 400 um, people on our on our Discord server. Um, we do a lot. And if you ever want to learn how to run an online game, uh, jump on over there. We'll be glad to give you your own channel, talk to you about running it, and and uh, introduce you to the amazing go, world of millions of people that are looking for games. You're trying. Um, <laughs> you see, I did still do it the wrong way. Yeah. I'm pointing at my screen and not where the camera is. And uh, everybody, thank you so much for coming out. We really appreciate it. We're going to have some new videos for our lead-ins and our lead-outs starting um, hopefully next week, if Bri has some time. Um, we'll be sharing our list of uh, people we're going to be inviting soon. 
Um, I still have to do my meeting with my invite, and I know that others are working on their details as well. But we really want to kind of share the space with those that are looking to learn more about the caretakers of the space. Uh, so. Jason, put your Discord link in the chat before we go, would you? Um, yes, yes. I can, I can certainly try to do that today. <clears throat> Let me go. I, I want to make sure I invite them to the right one. Go to, uh, where's it? Invite people. Copy. And then go up to comments. Once again. We have an open rack for a production person that yeah, pays no nothing, but we have, and we have zero benefits. Uh, you, we can get you lots we of stickers. Pay in friendship. We get you, like, you get all the friendship goddamn stickers, stickers you want. Yeah, yeah, the barter system stickers. Yeah, and but soon hey, to be, and soon we'll get you some dice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stickers, dice, and education. Yes. all the things you need. There you go. But everybody, thank you for coming out today. Really appreciate it. Um, stay safe. Be kind. Play a game. It's good for your mental health. And we'll see you next week. Bye, Thanks, everybody. Guys. Bye.